Well, aloha and mele kalikimaka, everyone. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord. We are journeying through this Advent season. And um, one of the things that I did last year and I thought was so much fun was to share the message of Advent. And last year, we had different age groups of people come and help share the message. This year, I've asked different people from my staff to come and preach. So Pastor Jeff preached with me three weeks ago, and Pastor Robert preached with me two weeks ago. We had our children's Christmas program last Sunday. Wasn't that amazing, by the way? Yeah. Uh, Let's give it up. Renata, Kelly, everybody that was a part, our children. I I would say that it was the best Christmas program I have ever seen. It was so good. And and it was so good. And so today, I was... um, had already planned to preach today's sermon with Pastor Paul. But unfortunately, Paul got sick, and he's not able to to be with me today. And so um, instead of bringing someone on in the last minute that won't be prepared, today I'm going to share the entire message with you and, and continue on this journey of looking at The Christology that's found in Luke chapter 2. And so, if you have your Bibles open, we also put the uh, the scriptures up here so that you can see it. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. We, this week, have have finally put put Mission Church into the YouVersion Bible app. So, I know many of you guys have your phones out with the YouVersion Bible. If you go to the, uh, the events section and click on it, Mission Church will pop up as one of the events. And if you hit it, the outline that you get in the, in the bulletin, that outline will appear right on your phone. And you can even take notes right in there. So I just want to be, I'm really excited to tell you that on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, Mission Church is a live event from here on in. So uh You can follow along in your your phone as well, too. But in Luke chapter 2, the angel makes this declaration to the shepherds. And he says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And, um, And as we look at the Christology of this passage of scripture, I just want to talk to you just briefly about how important it is to understand our Christology. And the reason why Christology, it's, it's a big theological word, I get it, right? Not everybody, we don't throw around um, that word in our common vocabulary every day. Hey, what's your, the- what's your Christology? You know, we don't talk about those things. But Every day of our walk with God, our our interface with Jesus, we use the Christology that we have every time we interact with Christ. And so that's why it is so important for us to understand this big theological word. The word Christology really is the theology of the person, the nature, and the role of Jesus in our lives. Okay? And, and the reason that is so important is because the theological work of Jesus in our lives is not static. 
So what I mean by it's not static is that as we grow in our faith and we grow in the relationship that we have with Jesus, Jesus and all that he is will grow along with us. And the, that, the reason why that is so important is because if we're not cognizant that Jesus is more than just the Savior, then far too often he remains just a Savior for so many people. And I want to tell you that today Jesus is so much more than a Savior. In fact, the angel proclaimed that in today in the city of David, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah and the Lord. And so I, I, I feel like that if we're not if we're not growing in our Christology, then, then Jesus only becomes so much to us. And, and what I pray is that we can experience the fullness of who Jesus is today. So as we grow in our faith in Jesus, the relationship that we have will grow with him. And that is the mark of, every, of, of a healthy relationship with God, that it is continuing to grow. And, and so today, we're going to look at Jesus as Messiah in our lives. So I want to just talk about how relationships grow and, and parallel that to the relationship that we have with Jesus. So, and I'm going to use my lovely wife and I as, as the kind of the model here. Um, we, we, Rochelle and I, just, and, and I've only been your pastor for a little over a year and a half. So you guys are still getting to know me. You're getting to know Rochelle. And so every, time, every chance I get to open my life up a little bit more, I want to take that opportunity so you can get to know me and Rochelle. And so Rochelle and I um, met, first met when she was in junior high and I was in high school. We cannot remember the first time we met because it was so, so long ago. And, and, and we have been friends for the whole time. She, she attended a different church than I did. And, and, and I'll just throw it out there. I'm five years older than Rochelle is. I'll just, there, I, I said it. Boom. Okay. So we've known each other since she was in junior high and I was in high school. And, um, but, but we were just friends at the time. And, but we were close. To, and the only time we really saw each other was at district events, youth events for the district youth camp and stuff like that. But as, as we continued to grow up, I went to cooking school. Many of you guys know that part of my life. And when I graduated from cooking school, I enrolled at Point Loma Nazarene University. And, um, and two years into my, my time at Point Loma, Rochelle caught up and entered in as a freshman at Point Loma. And then for the first time in our lives, we, we kind of were standing on the same footing, even though I was five years older than she was. And, and we kind of saw each other in a different way. And because we were already good friends from long before, we began to do fun things together. We went and saw movies when movies weren't supposed to be seen, you know, <laughs> back in the good old days. Um, and we got burritos and we studied at Denny's, you know, just the things that you do in college. And then we began to spend more and more time together and, and we enjoyed each other's company. And then Rochelle one day said to me, Gordon... I think we need to have a DTR. You guys know what DTR mean, right? Do you guys know what DTR stands for? Oh, no, no, no. That's the, the define the relationship talk, you know, the DTR. And we're like, yeah, okay. 
And so, we went out to this really fancy restaurant, OB Cafe. <laughs> 99 cent spaghetti night, that's what it was. It's a college budget right there. And, uh, and Rochelle and I talked about our relationship. And that night, we decided that we were going to, to, to start dating one another exclusively. Thank you very much right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> and um, and, 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 and we, we began to date. And during the time that we were dating, our relationship grew stronger. Obviously, we began to spend more time together. We talked about so much more. Even though we knew each other well, we, we, we grew our relationship beautifully. And we dated for a whole year until I began praying about the relationship. And that's always sketchy because sometimes people say, you know, I've been praying about the relationship, Gordon, and uh, God told me, you're out of here, you know, the holy heave. This, this wasn't that. <laughs> I prayed about the relationship. And, and my, my fondness for Rochelle continued to grow. And so I went out with my buddy to, to buy a ring. And after a year of dating... I proposed to Rochelle on my 25th birthday um, at another fine dining restaurant, uh, El Torito's on uh, <laughs> Shelter Island. No, Harbor Island. It's not there anymore, but oh, what a beautiful establishment that was. <laughs> and, uh, um, and after we got engaged, our relationship grew even stronger. We grew even closer than ever before. And we were engaged for a whole year. And after that year had gone by, Rochelle and I got married. And, um, and I could tell you all the great things that, that has happened in our relationship. Five years later, we had our first daughter. Another two and a half years later, we had our second daughter. And, and through it all, God has been in the center of this relationship that she and I has. And, and as I began to think about the growing relationship we have with Jesus, I thought about Rochelle and my relationship. We were still the same people. But as the relationship grew, the, the, the relationship changed between us. We didn't just remain boyfriend and girlfriend for the last 32 years of our lives. We made deeper commitments to one another. And in those deeper commitments, the relationship began to grow and change. Even though she was the same person and so was I, we grew together. And for our relationship with Jesus, this Christology is the, it's, it's the same way almost. In that, Jesus never changes. We change. And we grow into this relationship where we first come to know Jesus as our Savior. When we come to church, we hear the saving message of the great love of Jesus for our lives. And we are taken by this love that this God has for me personally. And, and we know that beautiful passage in, in Revelations 3.20 where we, we know that Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart and if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and eat with us and he, we with him. And so we open the door of our hearts. We accept Jesus into our lives and, and then Jesus becomes our Savior. But I want you to know, church, that Jesus is so much more than our Savior. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, 
Jesus grows to become so much more. He becomes Messiah to us. And then he also becomes Lord. And I just am so excited today to begin to talk to you about what Messiah means to us. Because that's the proclamation the angel made today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so let's take a look at Messiah for, for us today. Again, most people come to meet Jesus as Savior first. And, and when Jesus becomes our Savior, He extends great grace to us. He forgives us of our sins. And that beautiful passage in John 3.16 tells us that if we accept Him, He God gives us this beautiful gift of eternal life. And that is why everyone loves Jesus as Savior. Right? We get so much from our Savior. We are forgiven. We are loved. And and, and we're given this beautiful gift of eternal life. But as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, and as our faith in Jesus grows as well, we begin to experience Jesus, not only as Savior, but as Messiah. The title, Messiah, is the, is the Hebrew word for the word Christ in Greek. So, Messiah and Christ both mean the same thing. They mean, the definition is the anointed one. Okay? So, Jesus Christ is the same as Jesus the Messiah. And what that means is he is the anointed one. And whenever you anoint someone, you set that person apart. To to be anointed means to be consecrated, to be set apart. And Jesus was the Messiah. He was set apart to be the one that fulfilled all of these prophecies that were told, foretold of the coming Messiah in, in the Old Testament. I'll share a couple with you. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, and this passage of scripture comes to fulfillment in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where it actually comes to pass where Jesus is born and he's given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This beautiful passage of scripture is fulfilled. The anointed one, the Messiah, is born. Another passage of scripture that foretold of the coming Messiah is Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel says, In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This prophecy is still being lived out today. This is the Jesus that we come to worship. Wow. And so the, the, the Jews 
They, they knew all of these messianic prophetic passages. They were expecting the Messiah to come. They, the, and these are just a few of the examples of prophetic scriptures of the coming Messiah that all the Jews were, were expecting. They had it in their heart. They were waiting for their Savior. And as a result of this expectancy, when Jesus is born into this very humble situation, Nobody knew that the Messiah was born because they all had this expectancy of this coming king. But Jesus came and, and you know the, the situation he was born in. We'll get to that in a moment. But as Jesus began to live out his ministry, as he began to, to live out all that he came to do when he taught, he taught like no one else. And his words pierced the hearts of people. And then when he healed, he healed with compassion and love. And Jesus was unlike any spiritual leader of his day. And people began to talk. Is this the one? Is he the one that we, we've been waiting for this whole time? There was a buzz surrounding Jesus. And so Jesus comes to his disciples and in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 16, this is what Jesus says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Wow. This revelation that Simon Peter gave about Jesus was a revelation from God. That's what Jesus tells us eventually. But I want you to notice something about this, this transaction, this growing of relationship that Simon Peter and the other disciples experience. When a person recognizes Jesus as Messiah, it is the recognition of a deepening relationship with Jesus. Listen to Jesus' response to Simon Peter. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So that's the revelation. But now listen to what Jesus says about Simon Peter after he confesses Jesus as Messiah. Listen to what it says. Verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then here's verse 20 which is kind of odd. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. See, even Jesus owned the title of Messiah. And, and what I want you to see is that once Simon Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, his relationship with Jesus completely changed. It deepened. Jesus put responsibility onto him. 
And, and, and he wasn't just someone that was saved now. No. The church was going to be built on him. That's how important it is. When, when we come to see Jesus as Messiah, Jesus begins to tap us for great things that he wants to accomplish through us. Now, why did Jesus not want his disciples to tell others that he was the Messiah? I have a, I have a, a guess for that, and, and I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm on track. But going forward, right, one of the things that I want to point out to you is that Simon Peter, going forward, he was going to be different. He wasn't going to be the same Simon Peter. He was going to be transformed. And the reason Jesus, the reason Jesus didn't want his disciples to tell others that he was the Messiah is because I, I, I believe that, that Jesus didn't come to be the kind of Messiah that the Jews wanted him to be. It's, it's the same thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about Jesus as Lord. They all wanted I mean, Jesus as Savior. They all wanted Jesus to be a certain kind of, of leader for them. But, but that's not the reason Jesus actually came. Jesus came not to fulfill the expectations of the people. Jesus came to fulfill the expectancy of God for his plan for us. You see, the first advent reminds us and tells us of the humble Messiah that was to come. Was Jesus born in Jerusalem, the big city where everything was happening? Mm -mm. But you would think that the Messiah would come in the big city. No, he was born in the little town of Bethlehem. When Jesus was born, was he, was he born in a castle and put in a golden crib where every king should be? Did the rulers of the other countries come and, and pay homage to him and have a great parade for this brand new king? You know the story. We've been talking about it this whole time in, in Advent. Jesus was born in a stable, in, in, in a place where they a holding pen for animals. And when they couldn't find a crib, they put him in a manger. And till I was in seminary, I didn't know what a manger was. <laughs> it's a feeding trough for animals. Not a crib for the king. Jesus came in great humility. And so he didn't come to be this Messiah that, that all of the people wanted him to be. And so he, didn't, he told us, don't, don't tell everybody I'm the Messiah just yet. Let it, let it happen when it does. Now, <laughs> make no mistake, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the anointed one. But he didn't come to fulfill the expectations of humanity. He came to live out God's expectancy of who the Bible says that he would be. So let's talk about Messiah to us, right? Who is Messiah to you? What do you want the Messiah to do for you? You see, in the same way the Jews were expecting the Messiah because of the prophecies of the Old Testament that were foretold about Jesus, 
There's scripture in the New Testament, prophetic words that tell us that Jesus is coming again. We have God's word, and, and if all you have to do is, is look at Acts chapter 1, at verse 10 and 11. The moment Jesus ascended back into heaven, this is what happened. As Jesus ascended into heaven, and his disciples were watching him as he went, as they were, verse 10, as they were looking intently up into the sky, as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We know without a doubt that Jesus is coming again. The Messiah will return for a second advent. This New Testament prophecy confirms what we've been talking about, about the arrival of Christ coming again. And so the question that I have for you is this. Are you ready for Jesus, our Messiah, to return? Are you ready for Jesus, our Messiah, to return? I want you to know the answer is yes, Pastor. We're ready. (laughs) That should be the answer, right? But in so many people, there's trepidation for Jesus' return. And there should not be if he's your Messiah. And church... I want you to understand the genius of celebrating the Advent. Because when we take time every year during this season to celebrate the Advent, you know what this time does for all of us? It prepares us for the coming of the King. It prepares us with expectancy for Jesus' arrival again. This is what Advent is all about. It's yes, we celebrate Jesus coming as a baby. But when we see Jesus as Messiah, we don't see him as a baby born in a manger. We see Jesus far beyond that, living out his life into who he has come to be. And so, what I want you to know, folks, is that Advent prepares the expectancy of our own hearts. In the first Advent, everyone was unprepared for Jesus' first coming. Only the Magi knew, right? Only the Magi came and showed up and was prepared for Jesus to come. And they brought him these gifts. They saw the signs. They knew the Messiah was born. And so church, let us not make the same mistake as everyone else beside the Magi and not be ready for Jesus. See, in the days when Jesus was born, in his first advent, the world, this is what I believe, was not so different from our world today. Everyone was busy. Everyone was doing their own thing. And when you look at your own lives during this Advent season, wouldn't you say it's a bit crazy and chaotic? We can't even schedule dinners to get together. It's so crazy. And I don't think that the day in the days of Jesus, things were that much different. Everybody's just doing their own thing. 
It's a messy world with a lot of brokenness in it. I've spoken to enough of you to know the heartache that surrounds this time of year. See, the world that Jesus was born in is very different from the world that God created. In much the same way, the world we live in today is very different from the world that God initially created. But I want you to know, church, that's the whole point of Christmas. God didn't send Jesus into a perfect world. (laughs) He sent Jesus into this broken world. He sent Jesus into all the messiness of the world that we live in today. Because there, Jesus can redeem people back to a relationship with the Father. And our world is no different. When Jesus returns again, that's what he will return to do. To redeem all of us, the people, back to a great relationship with God. And Jesus, our Messiah, is coming again to do just that. And so here is our call today, church. Our call is to live into the expectancy of Jesus' second return. To be prepared for Jesus, the Messiah, to return again. That's why we're here as the church. So let's talk about this expectancy and let me wrap up today's sermon But before that, I need to... It's so dry here in California. In Hawaii, I could preach for two hours. Just kidding. Uh, Let's live in the expectancy and do this first. Let's put the Word of God front and center in our lives. And let's believe what the Word of God teaches. All of us. That Jesus came to be, first of all, our Savior. Let's not miss that important fact. Yes, he's not just the Savior, but he truly is the Savior. And we cannot jump over the understanding of Jesus being that. Jesus came to save people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when, when the angel was talking to Joseph in this dream, he said to his to Joseph about Mary. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to be a savior. Make no mistake about that. And so, first thing, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, you don't have to leave today without knowing that. You can have assurance today as you open up your heart and you hear him knocking that Jesus will come in as he says he will because we believe in scripture and he will come in and eat with you. The saving message of Jesus is true and real and Jesus saves us from our sins. And all we have to do is have the faith to believe and and, and accept the grace that Jesus has come to bring. Next, Jesus also came to be Messiah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that means more than just saving us from our sins. That means Messiah is with us. 
And Messiah is here to change our lives and help us to grow our relationship with Him deeper than just having to be a person whose sins are forgiven. When you look at the people who encountered Jesus and saw Him as Messiah, what do you see about their lives that's unique to them? Simon Peter or the other disciples. When they came to Jesus as Savior, Jesus forgave them of their sins. But Jesus didn't just leave them that way. Their relationship with Jesus grew. And every single disciple went from being who they were to growing in this deep relationship with Jesus so that they were not the same people anymore. Tax collectors became biblical authors. Fishermen became fishers of men. No one remained the same. And that is the mark of a Messiah at work in our lives. That we are not the same. That Jesus is changing me to become more like him every single day of our lives. That's why we have a Messiah. So that we won't be the same people anymore. But we will grow into the people that he would have us to be. Simon Peter, what was he? A fisherman. Then he grew to be the disciple that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached that message and started the New Testament church. He was not the same guy. Who are the others? What about Mary Magdalene? Mary, who was she? Mary was a woman who was demon-possessed. And then she encountered Jesus. And when she encountered Jesus, her life was never the same. She accepted Jesus as Savior, and then he became Messiah. And hear the story right here in Luke chapter 8 of Mary Magdalene. And after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were there with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. (laughs) Talk about a life that has been transformed. Mary Magdalene. What about the Apostle Paul? You can read his story in Acts chapter 9. A Pharisee, of the strictest Pharisees. He was there to arrest Christians on his way to Damascus, ready to put the church under And then he meets Jesus on the road. And Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I am the Lord Jesus. And Saul's life was never the same. You see, if Jesus comes into your life and and your relationship with Jesus grows, church, you're not going to be the same person If you allow Jesus to be more than just your Savior who takes your sins and forgives you your sins and you receive love and you receive eternal life and that is all great. Everybody loves Jesus as Savior. But Jesus wants more. And when our relationship grows with Jesus, 
he calls us into a deeper relationship with him. And he says, I accept you just as you are, but I love you too much to leave you just that way. Day by day, moment by moment, I want you to grow into somebody who looks more like me in you. And that church is what Messiah is. A God that loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. A God that cares for us enough to give him his whole self so that we can live the life that God has called us to live. In church, <laughs> the Magi, we talked about them a little earlier, they were the only ones prepared for Jesus' first arrival. They had gifts ready to give. When Jesus comes again, my prayer is that we would be ready with even better gifts. The gift of ourselves. The gift of people completely transformed by the blood of Jesus. That I'm no longer the same person I was. But I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And I sincerely believe that would be the greatest gift we could give Jesus when he returns. And then we would be ready for the second coming. The Gospel of John ends with verse 31 in chapter 20. And hear the word of the Lord as we finish our message today. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven today, God, we desire a deeper relationship with you than we've ever had before. In this Advent season, you have come and, and, and you have helped us, Lord God, to prepare for your second coming. That's the whole reason we do Advent, to get our hearts ready for your arrival into the world. And when the whole world didn't know you were coming the first time, Lord God, we have your word that tells us how we can prepare for your second coming and what we need to do. We need to see you, God, as Savior. And so today, in this church, if there's a single person, anyone in here, who has never made a proclamation to open their hearts to have you in their lives today, Lord God, may that person accept you as their Savior. To believe that you truly are the Son of God. And to seek forgiveness and repentance of their sins. To give you the worst of who they are so that they can receive the best of who you are. And that that gift of eternal life may be ours. And Lord, I know that many have already made that proclamation. But this message, Lord God, was for them 
For those who have said, I have Jesus as my Savior. Today, we want to take the next step and make Jesus our Messiah. To give Him permission to move in us and change in us and transform us, Lord God, to be the people that you would have us to be. Not the same anymore. If I was the same person that I was before I met Jesus as I was after I met Jesus, what's the point? God, we want something deeper so that we can be prepared when you return. And our gift to you would be us. Fully committed people. Surrendered to you. Seeing you as Messiah. The anointed one. The one that was was prophesied to come. And when you do come, that you might find us as people who have been preparing this whole time that our lives would be a reflection of you. May it be so, Lord God, today in our lives. Help us. Help us to lay down all of those things, God, that keep us from becoming more like you. Let us surrender to you, God. Be our Savior. Be our Messiah today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, church, I hope that... I hope that you will not walk out today unchanged. That the message that came today, you would know was truly a word from the Lord, from God, to you. That you would take to heart all that God would have for you.